Welcome to Simple Theology, a podcast connecting theology to everyday life by examining various doctrines of the Christian faith. I'm Robert Kane. Woo, that was good. Trying to muster up every ounce of energy that I have for this last episode of the day for us. Finish strong. Finish strong. Money. Those of you who don't know, we have been recording tons of episodes today, and Mm -hmm. I am beat, but I am putting in every ounce of energy radio-wise that I have Mm. for this episode. So, Rick. Yeah, so how are you are, doing, man? I feel pretty good. How are you holding up? I'm doing very well. Good which, for you. which I love there, podcasting. But I'm a, feeling exhausted. Yeah, R- Rob, um, and we've talked about this before. But Rob loves podcasting more than I do. Hmm. I thoroughly enjoy it. I thoroughly enjoy thoroughly thoroughly talking about our our thoughts and doctrine and theology, bantering a little bit, catching up. Um, for me, it's a fun hobby. For Rob, it's a almost a passion. It's a hobby. Passion might be strong. Yeah, but it's, a, it's a solid I, hobby. Solid hobby, yeah. He's bought a lot of equipment. He's invested a lot of time. He's learned a lot. Um, like, if Rob's like, if he came to me next week, he's like, man, I just don't, I don't want to do this anymore. I'd be like, all right. <laughs> like, like I'm not going to go find someone else to do it with. Yeah. I'd just roll it up and call it a day. Um, but if I was like, Rob, I just don't think I want to do this anymore. Like, Rob would be like, bummed, but he would... He could. There's other people he, who would saddle up with him and, and do it. Yeah. Um, more qualified people, but right now that goes without being said. I just keep running. <laughs> have my attorney write them letters so that yeah. they don't apply for the job. Um, no, but it would be it would be a little different dynamic. Anyway, all that aside, feeling good. Um, we so last time we we the in between episodes between the confessions we talked about we we're catching up on all of our listener requests. That simply wasn't true. We have one more. Oh my good Because we gracious. ran out of time, and I didn't want to cram this one in. So we're going to do the last request, and then we're going to talk about some books. Mm. So, um, yeah. I see what you said there. I thought you said that, I thought you were referring to that we had another one that we overlooked. That like, no. this wasn't going to be no. it. I'm like, After oh this my one, good we grief. will be caught up, um, mm. which is a good feeling. Yes, it you is. You know, it's like, when, it's like, when you pay all your debts and you're debt free again, that's happened one time in my life. I bought, took a car loan, paid it off. Now I'm just in a ton of debt. School, <laughs> my wife's school, house. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But when you catch up on stuff, it's a good feeling. Yep. Anyway, Rob, we, what are we talking about today? So we have a request here from an anonymous listener. And it There's is, a lot of people with that name, I'm, I'm learning. Yeah. Apparently, a lot of it's, parents name their kid anonymous. Yeah. So. Well, you just. People have, like, they ask for prayer, their name's anonymous. Like, it's just a lot yeah, of anonymous. Yeah, I don't get that. What the heck? Um, so, <laughs> it's growing in popularity. Very yeah. confusing, but. Right. No. Um, so. But we, I will say, we appreciate this listener's request. They actually did put their name in with, when they sent in a request, but they just asked that they stay anonymous. Which is. Totally fine. We will respect that completely. Completely. So, here we go. Um, this listener said, could you talk about Lutheranism and if it's really Christianity? slash what they believe, and if it's scriptural. I've always heard it being referred to as the lazy L Christians, uh, which I've, I've never heard before. Um, maybe it's a typo. Maybe you just meant lazy Christians. I don't know, maybe. But he said, or he, she... Anonymous. <laughs> says, <laughs> but I'm not sure why it got that name. I've read some of their beliefs, and I've talked to some Lutheran friends, and I am still confused on whether they are scriptural slash real Christianity. Thanks. Your podcast is awesome. 
recently found it and have been learning a lot. Much love from Minnesota. Don't you know? Don't you know? <laughs> from Minnesota, these Minnesota. people. Minnesota. Should have read that the Minnesota accent. Yeah. <laughs> so I I lived in Minnesota for a year. Minnesota yeah. is a beautiful place. How old were you? Uh, you're three. young. Yeah. Okay. I didn't. Maybe I, four. I was like like. <laughs> Discounting. I was just saying how old. Yeah, I, I had no say in the matter. <laughs> I was uh, six months old. Beautiful. Loved it. Yeah. Had a wonderful stay. <laughs> Nothing but good things to say about that place. <laughs> Phenomenal experience. <laughs> in Minnesota. Well, hey, this this request was um, put in a few months ago. Last summer, I think. So um, if this listener is still listening... <laughs> Tip of the cap to you. Tip of the uh, cap. We appreciate your faithfulness. And th- one of the reasons we didn't tackle it earlier is because we didn't really know. Yeah. We had to do a, a, some some research. I mean, we always do stuff. Like, we, we joke about show notes and stuff. Uh, but we do actually spend some time putting some stuff together. Yeah. And for this one, I, I just knew very little about Lutheranism or the, the Lutheran denomination. So it took us a little bit of dedicated time to to steady up and we always had good intentions but we're finally tackling mm. the question mm. um and, and like big question is are they christians or not like that's a substantial question it is um and i would say for the like it, it appears that they are yeah i'm not yeah. seeing any doctrine that's like okay these people are like they're like catholics and they're way out yeah so we, we've talked on the podcast before about theological triage mm-hmm. and we weren't the ones to create that uh i i don't know. I, Al Mohler. As I say, I yeah. think he was the one who did. Um, however, the one who kind of like coined that phrase. But this idea of whether or not they are Christian or not Christian would be a first tier issue. And mm-hmm. the areas in which we disagree appear to be second tier issues. So yes. we, we couldn't worship together in the same church, but we could both fairly call each other evangelical Christians. Yes. Um, so... Whereas Catholics, we we could not call each other evangelical Christians on the same in the same way. Right. Um, that would be a first tier issue. The things that we disagree on because of their gospel issues and their God issues. Mm-hmm. So the Lutherans, um, this is a a second tier. So kind of like an in house. This is within evangelicalism. This is within uh, Protestantism. Within Christianity. So to answer that um, off the bat, um, this would, if you're thinking through that theological triage, that first tier being whether or not they're Christians, whether or not they're in the house, um, the second tier, what, like whether or not they are, um, or like what church they worship in. So like if you're using that house illustration, what room of the house mm-hmm. they might um, reside in. And then third tier issues, maybe like what side of the room. <laughs> it's right. just kind of preference, yeah. uh, Christian liberty type things. So this would be second-tier stuff. Yeah. So some of their distinctives. So this is, I mean, there's plenty of articles, and we can link to some of those in the show notes, but the confession of the Lutheran Church comes primarily from the Book of Concord. And this was first published in 1580, and it contains 10 creedal documents. So um, every other week we've been going through the confessions. Mm-hmm. And so this contains some creeds and confessions. So they, 10 different documents, this book of Concord that makes up Lutheran belief. So um, they are the Apostles' Creed, which that's just a test of orthodoxy, along with the Nicene Creed, the Athanasian Creed. So those three are, I mean, those are big three. If you yes. can agree with those three, you can call yourself a Christian. 
Um, and there could re- would be some others that maybe you could add in there, but those, those are big three. Um, and then they have the small catechism of Martin Luther, the larger catechism of Martin Luther, the Augsburg Confession, the Apology of the Augsburg Confession, and Apology is just like a defense of. It's not like they're apologizing for anything. That's where we get the term apologetics. Um, the Small Called, is that how you say that? Small Called Articles? Yeah, I okay. think so. Um, the Small Called. <laughs> Made in the cauldrons. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure we're, it's kind of probably like Wittenberg, where it's actually pronounced Wittenberg, but I'm sure we're doing something wrong with that one. But it reads, the Small Called Articles of Martin Luther, uh, the Treatise of the Power and Primacy of the Pope, and the formula of Concord. Mm-hmm. So those are the 10 documents that are found in this book of Concord, which makes up the Lutheran Church, and it has been around since um, 1580. It's when it was first published. Yeah. And so I, it's interesting. Uh, there's a lot. I mean, they, the, the, the Lutheran tradition obviously comes from Martin Luther, the, the father of the Reformation. And so there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of culture that the Lutheran Church has that, like other traditions, tribes don't have because so much of it is directly stemmed from Martin Luther. There's a lot of um, robust theology, confessions, catechisms, all that stuff that's involved that a lot of traditions just don't have that much. Um, It's interesting. My great-grandfather was part of the Lutheran Church all his life. So my family's German, Gromlich, German, very German family, been here for I think a couple hundred years, actually. Hey, but still very much in the Lutheran Church, which I didn't know a whole lot about that. Uh, but he he served in Lutheran You're Church You're ashamed to your family. Not. So here's the thing, and this isn't a knock on the whole Lutheran denomination, but there are some liberal denominations. Anyway, my grand great-grandfather didn't become a believer in Jesus Christ until he was 86 years old, but spent decades as a deacon in Lutheran churches, as an unbeliever, unregenerate, wicked, alcoholic, sinful man and the Lord miraculously which is always miraculous but just at 85 years old changed his life made him a new believer in Jesus Christ crazy crazy story but there's a little bit of heritage I guess in my family with with the Lutheran church yeah Um, but some distinctives some things they believe they believe baptism is necessary for salvation um, which is they they get that other Augsburg confession article 9 on baptism um, and we would say, okay, we disagree with that. Um, there are other, other, like Church of Christ would hold that as well. Um, theirs isn't, it's a little more confusing. I'm, I'm still kind of confused on several different Lutheran doctrines. Yeah. Um, but it says, of baptism they teach that it is necessary to salvation, and that through baptism it is offered the grace of God, and that children are to be baptized who, being offered to God through baptism, are received into God's grace. They condemn the Anabaptists who reject that baptism of children and say that children are saved without baptism. So this is where we talk about paedo-baptism or, or baptizing babies. Again, so they have, they have a view of baptism in general that there's it's necessary for, for salvation. But two, then they also do baptize um, infants. We call that paedo-baptist. Uh, so there's a term we've, I think we've talked about this before. We, we did our first episode, we did an episode on baptism. Yeah. Did you, are you like I look? You're like this deep stare. Uh, yeah, I, I'm getting pretty tired over here, but right. uh, <laughs> it, not not because of what you're saying. Like I know what I'm thinking through. What I want to uh, say next. Yes. Yeah. Um, right. Right. But it's fine. Yeah. I zone out a lot too. So I wasn't zoning uh, out. No. No. It's good. It's fine. <laughs> Check out Rob. That's fine. Uh, so Peter Baptist 
terms the Bible uses to talk about, about being um, conversion and regeneration, right? We talked about a couple episodes ago with, with Titus 3, 5 talks about that. That conversion and regeneration, that's the, the work of the Holy Spirit. It's a washing of renewal of the Holy Spirit, but it's not literal baptism that gives us that. Um, yeah. And uh, Lutherans do believe in the process of confirmation, obviously, if you believe like Catholics, I think even Presbyterians, like there's a time coming of age where they confirm that they're regenerate, which is so odd because it's like, okay, be a part of this like family or this kind of belief system. All your like these super formative young years and now like flip the switch on it, which is what everyone wants you to do at like 12 or say no. Like that's yeah, so bizarre. It is. And who has the ability to make that decision well, at that age? Okay, so, so something to just distinguish before you continue on here. Mm-hmm. So the Presbyterian Church and the Lutheran Church do pedo-baptism. Yep. However, and, and maybe I'm speaking out of turn here, to my knowledge, the Presbyterians do not believe in baptismal regeneration. They view it as right. a sign of the covenant to right. say you're a part of the family, whereas Lutherans seem to be making the argument that some kind of regeneration that happens this is the baptism. only way in which you can be saved. If you mm-hmm. have not previously been baptized, then it is impossible for you yep. to be saved. And that I would strongly disagree with. Yeah. And I and I believe that Scripture's on my side on that. Mm-hmm. So that w- I would want to make that distinction between the Presbyterian Church and the Lutheran. Um, additionally, earlier you said that there are some denominations that are liberal, just like the Presbyterian yep. Uh, church, the Lutheran Church has multiple denominations in it, just like the Baptist mm-hmm. denomination. Like, right. they're just because you say Baptist, that, like it, can it mean could mean something different. There's so Southern Baptists, there's Free Will right. Baptists, there's there's just multiple different General Baptists. Mm-hmm. So then, same thing with Presbyterian. There's Orthodox Presbyterian. There's Presbyterian Church of America. There's Presbyterian Church of United States of America. PC, right. There's just PCUSA. PCUSA is liberal. Yes, very liberal. And then right. there's at least two in the uh, Lutheran. Well, and, world. So go ahead, and, and we're going to get to some of those. Okay, but, but okay. some of those distinctives, the confirmation piece, um, and they have a, a really unique take on communion. This is the one that was kind of really confusing. Yeah, so, yeah. so Catholics believe in the idea of transubstantiation. You want to explain and what that, that is? That is the idea that that when you take uh, communion, or they call it the Eucharist, like the the bread and the wine become literally Jesus flesh and blood. Yeah, and this isn't an abuse of the term literally here. This no, is literally. Like literally. They think it becomes his literal flesh and his literal blood. Yeah. And they call that transubstantiation. Which we disagree with. Completely. Ridiculous. Yeah. Lutherans say that they, that it, there's this, this essence that uh, they believe that Jesus, the body and blood of Christ are truly present and are distributed to those who eat the Lord's Supper. So it's like it's there, it's in and under, they say, but it's not like the literal flesh and blood, but yet it's present. So I, it's yeah, which, really confusing. Which would be different from Calvin's view, mm-hmm. right. which is the, the the presence view that the, what is it, the Holy Spirit or Christ is, is more present during communion. Um, however, he wouldn't say that it's like in, around, and under the elements, right. so to speak. It just gets weird. Yeah, well, and then... Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, and then there's the other view, um, Zwingli's memorial view, in that uh, it's not that Christ is any more present than he otherwise would right. be, but we do this as a means of grace to remember what uh, Christ has done for us. Yeah. So. Yeah. And, we're just and saying, people, people even, even in the Reformed camp, mm-hmm. kind of go back, some are in the Zwingli memorial view, yeah. and others are in the Calvin, um, the presence view. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's just really odd, um, and I, I think 
you just have to be careful when you take the ordinances, meaning communion and baptism, um, and you start doing kind of odd things with them. Yeah. And there's so much church history under with the Lutheran Church and all this stuff, so it's difficult. It's it's confusing. But um, the Lord, our salvation is simple. The message of the gospel is simple. Baptism and communion are simple. There's a great significance, and there's a depth there, and you can't even plumb the depths completely. And so it's, if you want to, it can get confusing. Yeah. But it also should be at the same time simple. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's uh, some distinctives. A couple things I'm going to read. This is from uh, a source about different Lutheran denominations. It says there are three main bodies of Lutheran churches in the United States. These bodies are the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, the ELCA, the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Did I say that right? Synod. Synod. Um, the LCMS and the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod, the W-E-L-S. I'm going to just briefly summarize each one of those. So the E-L-C-A, which is, again, um, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. Um, there are many other smaller Lutheran bodies in the United States. The better known of these smaller bodies is the E-L-C-A, or the American Association of Lutheran Churches, A-A-L-C, all these letters. The Church of Lutheran Confession, C-L-C, and the Evangelical Lutheran Synod, ELS, the Association of the Free Lutheran con- congra- Congregations. Spit it out. We've been at this for a while. Yeah, we have. However, the ELCA um, is the biggest. Before 1988, it did not exist. It's the largest Lutheran body in the U.S. with about 5 million members. <laughs> it's a product of the merger between the LCA and ALC and the something else. Um, and they broke away from the Missouri Synod. Uh, the EC, ELCA ordains women and believes Scripture to be historical and not always literal. Also, there is no set opinion of when taking Holy Communion is it actually the body and blood of Christ. It is up to one's opinion when taking. So this is the most, from my understanding, not the most, but a very progressive liberal version of, of the yeah. Lutheran tradition, the ELCA. Um, it's popular. It's, it's the biggest. You know, they they do ordain women. I think they're really foggy on sexuality, and they I think they they allow homosexual marriage. I think they're starting to ordain um, a, a, a clergy who are homosexual in the lifestyle. Um, so that's kind of a quick glimpse of the, that that group. Yeah, you say quick. That felt like an eternity. Ooh. If you guys well, are still awake, asleep. you guys are something. But there was like a war going on yeah, above upstairs. us upstairs. Battle royale. So if you heard that, then yeah. you're welcome. Um, <clears throat> so let me see here. I'm on a different page. Where am I going? And one of the ideas we're trying to go through these different groupings is just it gives you a better idea to say, okay, what Lutheran denominations are more biblical, what are are kind of more liberal and leaving leaving scriptural truth. Not that. We need to go out and like tell all the Lutherans where they're at. I'm just saying it gives you a point of reference on what the tradition is like today. Yeah, no, exactly. So, um, with that, we've we've covered. Do we want to cover more on on Lutherans, or do we want to hop yeah, into I just, the? Yeah, I'm just gonna go two more. Stick with me, Rob. Oh my just goodness, there's up, more. Buddy. Yeah. Oh my. <laughs> so this is. I talked about the three biggest. The second biggest, the first one, the ELCA, the second largest. Lutheran body is the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. It's about 2.6 million. Um, it's new with the Germans, coming to Ohio, all this stuff. Um, they do not ordain women, but they do allow women to serve as a fish officers in the church, and so they would say, okay, a little bit more biblical. Also, the church believes it is the true body and blood 
blood of Christ at communion. Kind of odd there. The church also takes scripture literally. We appreciate that. Finally, the third largest is the Missouri or the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod. Synod? Synod. Synod. How do you about, not know that word? I, you know, I, we had this conversation, I think, on an episode. I used to always say synoid. I don't know why. Yeah, that is wrong. It's not even phonetic, but that's why I always say <laughs> um, You know, I remember first reading this, reading this word all the time was through, I, th- I think, Bonhoeffer's book. Which uh, one? Which, um, his autobiography, or his biography by Eric Metaxas. Ah, nice. Okay. Um, anyway, this the Wisconsin Lutherans um, is the most conservative. They do not ordain women or allow them to serve as officers of the church. Um, they believe the scripture is totally true. And um, they would say that the the other li- more liberal versions are not legitimate Lutherans. Pretty strong words. Also, wow. just I would say, as my limited but but diving into some of this and doing a lot of reading, it feels like the Lutherans are quick to elevate Luther, Martin Luther, mm, yeah, n- more than they should. They're not deifying him like, oh, it's Jesus and then Martin Luther, yeah. But they're like, it's it's like, man, it's it's close in some ways, and he's just a broken man who hated Jews and he had a lot of his own problems, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, some amazing things too. But there's this elevation of their tradition and and Martin Luther, and maybe in my opinion. Um, an unhealthy way. Yep. Okay. So now that we've uh, really Ooh. belabored and made it through that. It's, we've been talking like 15 minutes on this. <laughs> well, let, let me just ask this question. Would you say that Lutherans are Christian? I I would say if they hold to their original documents, hmm. like what they say, like the, yes. the, the confessions that they say they are, then yes, they are. Exactly. So, um, so I say that to say just because they have the title Lutheran, does not mean that they're necessarily Christian. We just read that there are a lot of liberal aspects of it where they deny the accuracy tribes, of Scripture. Yeah. They deny the exclusivity of Christ. And so there are aspects of that within Lutheran Lutheranism. Right. There are aspects of that within Baptists, yep. within the Presbyterian Church, and, and within it, Methodists. I almost mean, like anyone, anyone. Exactly. Yeah. So at the end of the day, uh, we just need to clarify what it is that we believe and... Oh my goodness! There's a lot going on. Is there a festival? Like, there's music. There's yeah, dogs. I think they're watching a movie up there. So, so okay, Rob, I want you to pump up because we're gonna talk about books. Pump, pump the jam, pump it up. <laughs> Hang in with me for a few minutes. Okay. We we done this before and back many many episodes with ago. Luke. Yeah, Luke with Miller. Luke, which yep. was his one of music was one of our highest listened to episodes. We talked about books we're listening or we're we're reading. Mm-hmm. Could be listening to them or consuming. Um, and we, Rob and I are both in our mid to late 20s. Um, we, Rob's a very well-educated young man. He's got uh, many advanced degrees. Uh, um, no, I I'm just not. a poor farm boy. I got my GED this past summer. Stop it. <laughs> no, There's nothing wrong with, with getting your GED and stopping. I mean, um, I think history will look back and say, man, there's a lot of people who got quote-unquote college degrees who didn't get an education and waste a lot of money. Having said that, there's st- still the same time. It's a great thing if you have the ability to, to truly pursue an education, yeah. an academic like col- college education. Yeah. All that aside, books are really important. Literature. We are people of the book. We are a a belief system of literature. Yeah. Right? It's so important that we are reading good things, that we're sharing good things, that we're reading, we're encouraging others to be reading good things. People of the book. We study, we read. So we want to take a few minutes and just talk about some books we're reading. Not going to be super long or in-depth, but 
just some encouragement that we've gotten out of some books. Yeah. Rob, Rob is, is choking us on. Rob is finishing up his master's degree at Southern Seminary, which is a very difficult, not very like, um, but it's a very robust postgraduate, not postgraduate, graduate degree. Yeah. Um, so he's been doing a lot of reading for that. Doesn't get a whole lot of time to read, but starting in 2020, he's going to be a free man. He's mm. going to read whatever the heck he wants. Yeah. Um, but Rob, what are, what's a book that you've been that you've been reading or, or read that's been encouraging? Yes, yeah, so the one that stuff. I'm currently in, mm. and this is this is just for our discipleship group. This isn't for um, class or anything like that. Um, is you were just talking about Dietrich Bonhoeffer? It's Dietrich. It's um, his book, The Cost of Discipleship. Mm-hmm. So this book just is really laying the claim yeah. that discipleship comes at a cost. Yep. Um, and there's a there's an emphasis that he makes. Uh, we're only like halfway through, so I still haven't gotten to all of it. But thus far, he, he's making the claim that there, there's, there's this phrase that he keeps using, that only those who believe obey, and only those who obey believe. He says, you have to have both of those. He says, what we tend to do is just go with that first one. Yeah. Only those who believe obey. Mm-hmm. And But he said, but what we don't realize is that as we take steps of obedience, that puts us in the opportunity, into the space where faith can increase or begin yes. to show itself. And so he says, on the flip side, only those who obey believe mm-hmm. because the prerequisite for greater belief or greater faith is obedience. Right. And so there is a fairly, it's like a page. page Are you read all less, that? Yeah, I am. A little less than a page and a half. Don't get on me about a snooze fest. We're going to get right. ready like That's a right. book and a half on here. But look, this, this passage, right. I was listening to another podcast the other day and they were talking about, um, they were answering somebody's question mm-hmm. and the person said, look, I want to give up my sin but I can't. Mm. They said, I, I cannot do it. I have asked the Lord. I'm hoping that he gives me more faith. I'm hoping that he gives me more strength, but I cannot give this up. And um, they gave a great response and encouragement. Um, but Dietrich Bonhoeffer actually addresses that in his book. He has a, a kind of a make-believe conversation that I'm going to read. Yeah. Because I found this to be so helpful as someone who is pursuing the pastorate, mm-hmm. um, thinking that I'm, I'm sure I'm going to have conversations like this. So this is a, a really helpful conversation. So he says, clergy frequently come across cases like this nowadays. And he's referring to what he was just talking about earlier about um, only those who believe obey and right. only those who obey believe. He says, the outcome is usually that self-imparted absolution confirms the man in his disobedience and makes him plead ignorance of the kindness as well as of the commandment of God. He complains that God's commandment is uncertain and susceptible of different interpretations. At first, he was aware enough of his disobedience, but with his increasing hardness of heart, that awareness grows ever fainter, and in the end, he becomes so enmeshed that he loses all capacity for hearing the word, and faith is quite impossible." one can imagine him conversing thus with his pastor. I have lost the faith I once had. You must listen to the word as it is spoken to you in the sermon. I do, but I cannot get anything out of it. It just falls on deaf ears as far as I'm concerned. The trouble is, 
you don't really want to listen. Oh, on the contrary, I do. And here, they generally break off. Because the pastor is at a loss what to say next, he only remembers the first half of the proposition, only those who believe obey. But this does not help, for faith is just what this particular man finds impossible. The pastor feels himself confronted with the ultimate riddle of predestination. God grants faith to some and withholds it from others. So, the pastor throws up the sponge and leaves the poor man to his fate. And yet, this ought to be the turning point of the interview. It is the complete turning point. The pastor should give up arguing with him and stop taking his difficulties seriously. That will really be in the man's own interest, for he is only trying to hide himself behind them. It is now time to take the bull by the horns and say, only those who obey believe. Thus, the flow of the conversation is interrupted, and the pastor can continue. You are disobedient. You are trying to keep some part of your life under your own control. That is what is preventing you from listening to Christ and believing in his grace. You cannot hear Christ because you are willfully disobedient. Somewhere in your heart, you are refusing to listen to his call. Your difficulty is your sins. Christ now enters the, li- enters the list again and comes to grips with the devil, who until now has been hiding under the cloak of cheap grace. It is all important that the pastor should be ready with both sides of the proposition. Only those who obey can believe, and only those who believe can obey. In the name of Christ, he must exhort the man to obedience, to take action, to take the first step. He must say, tear yourself away from all other attachments and follow him. For at this stage, the first step is what matters most. The strong point which the refractory sinner had uh, had occupied must be stormed, for in it Christ cannot be heard. The truant must be dragged from the hiding place which he has built for himself. Only then can he recover the freedom to see, hear, and believe. Of course, though it is a work, the first step entails no merit in the sight of Christ. It can never be more than a dead work. Even so, Peter has to get out of the ship before he can believe. Amen. That's phenomenal. It's interesting. Um, two things. One, just like that idea, like the first step is just to take action. Yeah. And, and say, oh, but I want to. I want to overcome my sin. I want. Well, then, like you can do things about that. It, and Christ will do the the miraculous and change your hearts and desires. But you confess. You bring things into the light. You can do that on your own. Um, Oswald Chambers has a quote that that God doesn't give us strength as we to overcome he gives us strength as we stand to overcome like mm. in the in the motion in the action of seeking to overcome he he strengthens us yeah in that, that heart's desire so that's great yeah so really enjoying that book really appreciate the the twofold side of that that he yeah that he's really emphasizing yeah there. And, and it can it can and it, it might sound like a cycle like great we're stuck it's like, no no it's not you take the first step uh-huh. you know to, to die to yourself yeah to surrender to the lord yeah. So um, that's so far been the biggest takeaway. And you recommend the book? Highly. Highly. Good. Yep. I, I know some people who've read it and say, man, it's just kind of dense. It's kind of hard. But like, it is a little dense. You it's do, so you do good. Have, you have to be prepared for that. But it is. But you got you to gotta take the first step at work. You got to work for it. That's right. <laughs> you guys got to be obedient. Come on. 
Yeah, so, so... What about you, man? Yeah, one of the books that I, I read uh, this past summer, uh, yeah, summer, um, by a guy named Jonathan Lehman. Uh, he has a PhD from Wales. We did an Wales. interview with him. We did an interview with him, actually, yeah. And the book is titled How the Nations Rage. And um, I remember reading the book and enjoying it. Um, so one of the things that, that it like, overall... It's primarily for for Christians living in U.S. culture right now. It deals a lot with the political divide um, currently going on and how Christians how we are to respond. It does help. It helped me to understand like the moral side of both the the right and the left, so to speak. Yeah, and, and their position. Um, but he's kind of taking a, a a bigger view and saying, okay, those things are happening in America, 2019. Like this is a blip on the radar mm-hmm. of the history of like humanity. Yeah. And as Christians, we are to have this eternal perspective that just kicks out like both bookends of like our current situation. Yeah. yeah bigger yeah. perspective. Um, and so it was really helpful in that. I, I felt like at, at times it was kind of lengthy, um, but overall I thought it was really good. And for me, like to, the, I, getting that bigger perspective on the political situation that we need to be involved. We need to be integrated. We need to have the right views and and be able to help address and answer hard questions. But at the same time, look back and look at Christ is doing in His narrative of redemption, and not get sucked into you know the the geopolitical situation in America in 2019. Yeah. So um, I I when I think of how to engage culture in our current political moment, mm-hmm. so from a political perspective, yeah, there are two guys that I are the first guys I'm going to go to in terms of maybe I should say three um, in terms of wisdom yeah. because they're just very well versed in this. Wait, so you, you're flattering me. <laughs> yeah. You know. um, oh, you're not talking about me. No, no. Oh, okay. So Jonathan Lehman, uh-huh. one of them. Yep. He's written on politics yeah. and wonderful law, articles. Like, yep. Very helpful. Um, Russell Moore, mm-hmm. another one. Yep. And the other one, Albert Muller. Yeah. He does the, the briefing as yes. a podcast, which is in his words, a daily analysis of news and events from Christian worldview. So very helpful to every weekday. Um, so those three guys are just have a really good pulse on the current political moment. And so yeah. the fact that you mentioned Jonathan Lehman and you mentioned his book, How the Nations Rage, yes, uh, makes complete it's, sense it's, why that would be a good, good one. Yeah, and I recommend it. Excellent. Um, so the another one that I had was Christ-Centered Worship mm-hmm. by Brian Chappell. had to read that recently for... Um, the Worshiping Church, a class that I took, yeah. uh, just finished up, actually. And he, he has another really famous book, Christ-Centered Preaching. Christ-Centered Preaching, yeah. yep. And so the presence or the essence of this book is that uh, we, the way we worship God yeah. matters. Yep. And so we um, just see all kinds of examples of this in, in Scripture where, um, I mean, just think about the Old Testament, all the ways in which he prescribed for his people— to worship him, and then when they um, worship him in ways that he did not authorize, he's he's not pleased by that. He's not right. happy that oh hey like that was a creative way to worship me. You're right. Thank you. Like, <laughs> That's thank, a new one. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for doing that. Um, right. No, he has actually laid out how he is to be worshipped, and it it matters how we mm-hmm. worship him. And uh, so in this book, not only does uh, Brian Chapel kind of go through. Um, the theology side of it, giving a good explanation and a good backing for the things that he's saying, then he also 
provides tons of examples of liturgies. Yes. Uh, various different types from different traditions. And it's, some of them are some that he may not agree with, but he's still showing like this was what their liturgy is and this is why. And he gives like recommended songs for things. And it's just, and recommended like uh, benedictions. Like yeah. it's a very helpful book because it shows not only the theological side and the importance of how we view the gathering, the worship mm-hmm. gathering, how we structure it. His primary premise is that the worship gathering should be a retelling of the gospel, not just that the gospel is proclaimed at some point in the sermon or at some point. The whole thing should be organized to flow like the gospel. And he uh, provides a a great example of liturgy, one that the Lord allows us to plant a church, we'll probably utilize um, at our church. And so just very grateful for the way that he laid that out and for the backing he gave to it biblically. Yeah, that's great. Highly recommend. Um, another book that I've read, just wrapped up a couple weeks ago, is "Who Is Jesus" by Greg Gilbert. This is a small little book. Uh, it's one of the part of the Nine Marks yeah, series that they've those put are great. out. Um, yeah, it's, it's a great little book, just short and explaining who Jesus is. It talks about the historical background and the significance as a historical figure that does into his deity and the reality that comes with the truth that Jesus is God. Um, so. It, I, I yeah, cannot recommend it enough. It's written for those who, for an audience who doesn't know who Jesus is. Um, however, I was encouraged by it. I was reminded of like just things that you forget about who Jesus is and what he's done. So refreshing, easy, quick read, um, and, and worth the time. And then it becomes a great resource that you, you've read and you can trust. And you can say, hey, read this book. Like, yeah. I've read it like Read it. Let's talk about it. Yeah. So great read. He also wrote Who is, is Jesus is the, by Greg Gilbert. Yeah, and that, that's in kind of partnership with What is the Gospel, right? Yeah. What is the Gospel? I, I recommend to everybody. Yeah. And I, he, he wrote another book about, I can't think of the title, um, about the Bible, why we trust the Bible. Mm, can we read yeah. the Bible? Or can we trust the Bible? Yep. Candace has read that. She really liked it. Nice, 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 nice. Okay, so the last one that I have here is a an entire series. So you can Ooh, buy each of these. You read the whole series. Nope, Impressive. I Impressive. Um, but e- I've read several of them. But what it is, is it's God's word for you. And so what it is, is they will say- Is that like your best life now? Yeah, exactly. Um, no, not at all. Okay. Um, they will take a book of the Bible. And so, for instance, on the shelf right behind you, Rick, I found it, is First Samuel for you. And what it is, is a simplified commentary. They jump right to the point. For any of you who have any experience in commentaries, you know that they can be pretty dense, which that's good. Like you you want commentaries that will get into the nitty gritty. However, the really wonderful thing about these ones is that it focuses on a book and then it goes through it verse by verse, but it is... um, They have questions at the end of each chapter, so you can do this as a study. So we did uh, one of the two that I've, I think I've only gone through two, but the two I've gone through were for studies, and Mm -hmm. each one I just gleaned. Clean it so much. I was like, "You've got to be kidding me!" This is so. First Samuel for you, like some of the some of the stuff that is foreshadowing within the story of David and Goliath Mm -hmm. is something I have never grasped before. And I mean, I was just grasping all kinds of things. Very, very helpful series. They have, they don't have every book of the Bible. Not yet. Not yet. Yeah. Right. But I believe that's their, that's their goal. But you it'd can. It'd be weird if their goal was like 
63 books in the Bible. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> Cliffhanger. So, yeah, so highly recommend that. If you're looking for a good, um, deep commentary, but is on a reading level that is not that doesn't require like any kind of um, advanced degree or anything like that. Like that'd be me. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, well, I'm I'm the one recommending it as well. So clearly, I benefited much from it. Mm, yes, so you hi- have. Just highly recommend. Highly recommend the. It's called the Bible. No, it's God's Word for You. God's and Word for You. It's by the Good Book Company, yeah. and you can choose specific books and go through those. Sweet. All right, so the last book I'm going to talk about, it's um, nothing to do. It's not a theological book per se. It's a historical book. Um, I Were they were they I've practicing always, certain practices in that mm, time? It was not written for a the theological purpose. Oh, okay. okay. Um, I've always enjoyed history, and I'm trying to read more stuff, but it's The Rise and Fall of the Third Reich by um, William L. Shirer, and he wrote this massive um, book on... Hitler and the Nazis, and it covers three decades of history from the very end of the First War, World War, the Great War, following Hitler, how he came to power, the rise of the Nazis, all this stuff, and then their eventual demise. And he was a U.S. journalist and correspondent in Germany, um, just brilliant guy, and just this book's phenomenal, but super, super long book. I did this on Audible, um, and I got it because I went to simple th- audibletrial.com slash simpletheology, and I got a free book because I signed up for a subscription, which I've used for months. And my, my first month and first book was free. And then after a while, I couldn't afford it anymore, so I had to cancel. Well, you didn't have to say that, but you I guys, did. you guys can get a free book too and by going to audibletrial.com yeah. slash simpletheology. We, we bought a house. Things got tight. Yeah. Anyway. Story of my life. Uh, right? So... The phenomenal book, though. I mean, if you can if you can stick with it, it's it's a doozy. It took a lot of discipline, but uh, to see how a people group, a, a society, bought into the again, we're we're just talking about Luther, right? This is where Luther, the Reformation began, was in Germany. A people who were pursuing Christ, and then now they had their all their identity was in their their pride of the country. And that was just crushed the First World War. And then someone says, hey, I'm going to restore the glory of Germany. I'm going to restore us to our, firm, our former um, glory and just subdue all these people. And people just went nuts. They lost their heads over it. And you watched how for years other countries just sat back and didn't want to deal with it. They were apathetic. They they. You know, they thought we can manage this. We'll we'll just we'll give them a little bit of you know the Czech Republic. We'll give them a little bit of Austria. You know, and then eventually it just it just it's like sin. It just takes over everything. Yeah, it does not stop. Yeah. Um, and then so anyway, phenomenal book. Really, I recommend it. But it, it's a doozy. But yeah. So it's funny how this whole thing. You, I'm glad you put that as your last book because that puts a nice bow on bow. this. We started off talking about Luther. Mm-hmm. We went through some of the aspects of Lutheranism and he's from Germany yeah. and then we got into the book reviews and I yeah. started talking about Dietrich Bonhoeffer German who is German he Died. was from Germany yeah. he was around during the Third Reich he was a spy in yeah. the Third Reich had plans to assassinate Hitler yeah um, and then you closed it out with a and he was he was murdered by the Nazis yeah they, they shot him yeah and then you closed it out with the book of the rise and the fall mm. Of the Third Reich. Yeah. So, so very German-esque yeah. episode. <laughs> so, Rob, what's, your, what's your, your 
family heritage. Are you? I believe Irish. Irish. Irish? Yeah. yeah, yeah. The red hair. Mm, that'll do it. <laughs> well, hey, so. appreciate you guys listening as always. Uh, look forward to just keep cranking out episodes and uh, appreciate just your faithfulness and listening and your support. Yeah, thank as you. As always, you guys have done a wonderful job of, of just communicating with us and telling us things that you want us to talk about, questions, or just encouraging us. And you can continue to do that by going to simpletheology.org, our website. Um, we're on Instagram now at simpletheologypod. We're also still on Facebook at facebook.com slash simpletheology. And we're across all social media platforms with hashtag simpletheologypod. Also, as I mentioned, you can do, um, we have a thing with Audible. Go to audibletrial.com slash simpletheology and you get a, uh, a trial there. First month is free. First book is free. And we get a little bit of support from that. Um, it works out well. But yeah, we appreciate you guys. You can always call Rob. Call Rob at 614-233-1098. Again, that's 614-233-1098. Nice done. Leave us a voicemail. And we will probably not play it on the air unless you ask us to. And um, we'll just take your comments and we'll run with them. Yeah, so, that's right. We appreciate you guys tremendously. Yep, you can also email us at info at simpletheology.org. Peace. Peace.